because I'm so excited. I can't wait another another minute. All right. Um, so I thought today we would talk really just about Rosh Hashanah. And um, you'll see, I'll, I'll try and tie it back at least a tiny bit so that you can take it into every day, um, both every day preparing for Rosh Hashanah and also to come out of Rosh Hashanah and take that with us. But really, the focus is is about Rosh Hashanah and kind of, Joe, what you were saying, which is, what am I doing here? Like, when you, get in, when you come into Rosh Hashanah and you come to Shul, what is, what is the goal? What am I trying to do, in particular in my Shmona Esrei, and in particular, the Musaf of Shmona Esrei of Rosh Hashanah? So why the Musaf of Shmona Esrei of Rosh Hashanah? Because whenever we daven, the core of our tefillah is the Shmona Esrei. That, that's the heart. That's the middle of it. That's what it's all about. Everything else is something that extends onto it, that builds us up to it, that brings us down from it. But the core of it is the Shemona Esrei itself. <laughs> I just read um, in a commentary uh, called Baruch Shamar by Ruf Baruch Epstein. He, he complains about people calling it Shemona Esrei when it isn't a weekday because Shemona Esrei means 18. So why is it called 18? Because it's a, brach, it's a, a tefillah of 18 brachos. Now there are 19 brachos, right? But other days there aren't 18 brachos. On Shabbos, you may have noticed Shemona Esrei is much shorter. Okay, it's like seven brachos, right? You don't have 12 in the middle. So I put a little summary there because there is a structure to tefillah. Shemona Esrei is literally tefillah. When you say the word tefillah prayer with no other context, you mean Shemona Esrei. You don't mean the whole service. And Shemona Esrei, tefillah, is made of three sections, three brachos of shevach, of praise. You should first praise God. Then on a weekday, 12 brachos, which is now 13 brachos, of bakasha, which is requests. That's where we ask, right? Please heal the sick. Please gather us in. Return to Israel. And three brachos of hoda'ah, of thanks, of gratitude. And that is the structure of a Shemona Esrei, and it's something that's worth knowing even though we're not really talking about Shemona Esrei technically uh, at, at this point in our shir, right? Is it 12 or 13? It's 13, but it, it was originally 12. There's a, there's a 19th blessing added to Shemona Esrei that's within the Bakashos. So now there were 13, it used to be 12. That's why it adds up to 18, but now it's 19. Okay, that middle section of Bakashos we do not say on Shabbos and Yontif. Okay, because Shabbos and Yontif are not times when we're requesting what we need. We're not focused on what we lack. We're focused on experiencing what we have. So on Shabbos, on Yontif, the middle section of Shemona Esrei is swapped out completely and is filled with something appropriate to the avoda of that day, which is not an avoda of request, of noticing what we're missing and striving to fill it. Okay, that's for weekdays. And in particular, when we add a tefillah of Musaf, which corresponds to the Korban Musaf, that's added for a special day. So the Musaf, hello, welcome back. The Musaf is the one where you will have the information more about the avoda of that day. So when we talk about, like, we're going to focus on looking at the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah to understand the avoda of Rosh Hashanah, that's because the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah is the karban that's unique for Rosh Hashanah. In other words, it is the avoda, literally, the service of Rosh Hashanah. So that's where we look to find out what is the avoda of Rosh Hashanah. Okay, now, the avoda of Rosh Hashanah, the center part of the Shemona Esrei on Rosh Hashanah, has also a structure of three parts. This is, if you, if you knew this already, 
then you know. If you didn't know this already, then your Shmona Esrei has now been transformed just by this little map that we have here. Because instead of being, you know, 50 pages that just go on and you don't really know where they're going because you're not familiar with the Shmona Esrei this way, instead now you know where you are. You know where you are and where you're headed. And this is based on a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, which I wrote at the top. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem says to the Jewish people, Imru lefonai b'Rosh Hashanah, malchuyos, zichronos, v'shofaros. On Rosh Hashanah, you should say before me, malchuyos, which means kingships, zichronos, memories, v'shofaros, and shofars. Say those three things before me. Malchuyos, why should you say kingship? So I guess you'd say like coronation or make declaring God king. In order to make me king over you. Zichronos, memories, reminiscences. In order that the memory of you should come before me for the good. Which is a good thing on Rosh Hashanah, right? We're being judged. And with what should you do this? Bashofar, with a shofar. Okay, so this is, this is the source. It's based on, on Psukim, but this is kind of the straightforward source for why the Shona Esrei of Rosh Hashanah is broken into three parts. The, the center, the middle part of the three parts of Shona Esrei is itself comprised of three parts, Malchuyos, Sichronos, and Shofros. And in each of those, we bring three verses from Torah, three verses from Ksuvim, three verses from Navi, conclude with one more verse of Torah, about Malchus, about God being king. And then three verses from Torah, three verses from Ksuvim, three verses from Nevi'im, and another one from Torah about Zichronos, God remembering everything, reminiscing, right? And then Shofaros is three verses from Torah, three verses from Ksuvim, three verses from Nevi'im, one more from Torah. It's 10. It's three, 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 and one. It's 10 verses about the Shofar, the power of the Shofar and how that relates to God being king. As soon as you know that, your Shemona Esrei now has a structure, has a form. You know what you're doing technically. You still don't know what you're supposed to be doing in your heart. What's the avoda that's supposed to do in you? But at least you know where you are on the page. Great. What is this that Hashem is telling us? What, what, is Chazal, what are Chazal telling us is the avoda of Malchios, make me king over you. Zichronos, the memory of you, should come before God for the good. And with what? The shofar. Okay, so to... To explore this, hello, hello. To explore this, we want to start at the end. With what? How can you achieve Malchuyos and Zichronos? It's with Shofaros. It's with the Shofar. And we know that, like, the big deal on Rosh Hashanah is the Shofar, right? Women technically should not be chayev to hear a Shofar. It's a mitzvah's ase shahazman grama. It's a time bound mitzvah. Women are generally not obligated in time bound mitzvahs, but women have taken upon themselves to hear the Shofar. You don't have to hear all the blasts of the shofar, but you should hear at least a minimal set of blasts of the shofar, which, because of the way we count the blasts of the shofar, would probably be a set of 30, would be kind of the minimum. Okay, women do hear the shofar. Yeah, 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 yeah. It seems, that's as far as I can tell, I'm not a halachic expert, obviously, but as far as I can see, it seems that women took that on themselves over the course of the years, that, that was, it's, it's appropriate to women. Um, and now women are considered to be obligated to hear the shofar. I don't know if you, if you saw that for some reason you really wouldn't be able to. I guess you ask what you should do about that. But generally speaking, women do. You fill up giant baggies when you have small children with the sweetest, least noisy foods you can think of, right? And you hand them to, like, the two-year-old so that they won't make any noise during the shofar. And you try and hear your shofar. You stand out. And Israel used to sometimes stand with the babies outside the window of the shul. 
you couldn't really bring them in the shul because they might make noise. You stand outside the window, and you're actually very close to the person blowing the shofar, and you can hear shofar blowing out the window. All right, so what is with the shofar blowing? I don't know if you ever thought about it, but the more you think about it, the more it's like, what is that? What, what is with sh blowing a shofar at all? So some of these ideas, I think you and I talked about them last year. Um, around this time of year, we were learning Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, which was very appropriate, but I wanted to expound on them a little bit more. All right, so to understand the shofar, we have to first understand what is the day of Rosh Hashanah altogether. The day of Rosh Hashanah is what? Like, what's, what's the original event of Rosh Hashanah? Okay, judgment, creation. Okay, so here's one of these things that kind of maybe lesser known fact. Rosh Hashanah is the anniversary not of the date that the world was beginning, meaning not the day of Barashis Bara Elohim. Sorry? It's when Adam was created. That's when we start counting time. Okay, so when we say this is going to be the year 5776, that's from, from the creation of Adam. That's not from Vayihi Or, all right? And the same thing when we talk about Rosh Hashanah, that's the day that Adam was created. That's the sixth day of creation. Now, knowing that then leads us in a very different direction of understanding something about Rosh Hashanah. Because what that means is that Rosh Hashanah is, you know, when we come to, <laughs> the Jewish year is not a circle and it's not a line. It's not a line meaning that this Rosh Hashanah has nothing to do with the past, each one builds going forward, and it's not a circle. It's not that we come around to the same Rosh Hashanah and we just keep repeating the year over, it's a spiral. That's how Rabbi Yechiel Mechel Tukachinsky described it, it's a spiral. So you come back around, it's the same Rosh Hashanah, but you've also moved up a level. So now you're layered, you've got all the Rosh Hashanahs under you up until now, and there's also a new Rosh Hashanah. Okay, so when we come to, when we come to Rosh Hashanah, that means that on this day, sorry, just looking for the Pasuk, okay, on this day is when this happened. Vayitzer Hashem Elohim es ha'adam. God formed man, afar min ha'adama, of earth from the ground. Vayipach be'apav, and he blew into his nostrils, nishmas chayim, a living soul. Vayhi ha'adam l'nefesh chaya. And the man was a living soul. Now man here means humanity. It's men and women, because man was created male and female at the beginning. So when I say man here, I don't mean like men. I mean us. That's what's happening on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the day that God blew into mankind breath. And in blowing breath into us, man becomes a living soul, which Unklis famously translates as Ruach Memalala, a speaking soul. The ability of the soul to speak was blown into us. Okay. Okay, that's a very different idea of Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah means I'm coming back to the creation of, of me, not really just a body, but me, a body with a soul that is blown into me. 
Okay. Here, here how Rav Huttner puts it. Well, before Rav Huttner, there's a halacha about the shofar. A shofar has to be blown directly into the shofar. You have to blow into the shofar. You can't use like a mouthpiece. There can't be anything between. So when you hear the sound of the shofar, what are you hearing? You're hearing the breath as it has been transformed within the, sa within the shape of the shofar itself. So here's how Rav Huttner puts it. Shoresh shorasho, the root of all the roots shall shofar be Rosh Hashanah, of blowing the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, who be'osa hanashima shal vayipach be'apav nishmaschayim, is that self-same breath of God blew into his nostrils. Okay. Did you catch that? Okay. Neshama is a soul. Neshima is a breath. The Torah describes, okay, this is, the Torah is describing this to give us an image because God doesn't have breath any more than he has a mighty hand to take us out of Egypt, right? It's not a hand. It's not a physical hand. It's what the hand means, what a physical hand means, which is the ability to manipulate the world. So that's what we know about in the physical world. That's what it's talking about when it talks about God used a mighty hand to take us out. He's manipulating the world. God gave us an image in the Torah. He blew into our nostrils a living breath. And the idea of the shofar, the whole concept of shofar, is that breath that God blew into us on Rosh Hashanah, we blow out. That is the shofar. That, whether we know what to make of that or not, is an astonishing concept. Okay, which means that we are taking the breath that is breathed into us. That's the, our inhalation. Okay, from God's point of view, it's vayipach. He exhaled it, so to speak. For us, that's we inhale life from God, and what we exhale is the shofar, is declaring God as our king. That's the avoda of Rosh Hashanah, is we receive what God gives us, this is our life, <laughs> and we turn it right around and shape it within the body of the shofar, which is this animal material. And it is shaped by this animal material, by being inside of us, and comes back out. It's the same breath, and yet its form has changed. And in changing form, it declares God is my king. That's the shofar in Rosh Hashanah. Here's how Rav Hirsch puts it. The shofar brings you through your innermost self to God. And if you've ever sat and listened to the shofar, that's what it does. It brings you into who you are inside, and through that brings you to Hashem. That's the goal. So we could, we could stop there, but I want to talk about Machios and Zichronos as a package with this. But, but even to like draw a line here and say, breathe in, Breathe out. That's a shofar. That's enough to think about. It's enough. I breathe in, I breathe out. I'm receiving a life, and I'm making that life be a call out. Hashem is my king. All right. The normal way that we speak, which is not the shofar, but all the time, is through tefillah. The real sort of prime use of person's speech 
is Torah and Tefillah. Another, yeah, the prime use of a person's speech is Torah and Tefillah. Um, that's also indicated in the verses, but we're not going to review that now. Now, you may know the Pasuk from Tehillim. It's in Pesukei de Zimra also. Kol han shama tehalel ka halaluka. It's not just in Tehillim. It's the culmination of Tehillim. Kol han shama tehalel ka halaluka. Now, it's not clear how you should translate that. One is kol han shama, like every soul praises, sings praise to God, praise God. Or kol han shama, every inhalation praises God, halaluka. Now, you can see how if you know that Pasuk, if you were a genius in Torah, you could have come up with what Rav Hutner said, okay? Which is that the neshama and the neshima are connected. The soul and the breathing are similar ideas. Okay. So if we sum up, kol hanshama tehalel ka, every breath is a praise of God. Every soul is a praise of God. Then we hear in the voice of the shofar, in the sound of the shofar, and, and honestly, at least in my experience, you do hear this in the sound of the shofar. I just maybe never had a name for it. I never put a finger. I didn't understand exactly what I was hearing. The, the voice of the shofar is our own voice. It's the voice of our desire to be close to Hashem and make him our king. That is the sound of the shofar. That is the voice of the shofar. And what it's calling us to do is to dedicate ourselves to him. And the, the next aspect of Rosh Hashanah, which is now interwoven with this concept that we've talked about, is the idea of time. Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of when we count time. It's the new year, right? We're going to change our count, right? You said you wrote May on your check, like a mat, you know, it's always hard to stop writing 57, 75, you have to remember to put 5776 on your check starting next week. Time is a very interesting, I don't know, I hate to say construct, because that makes it sound like people constructed it, which is not so. But time, is another great line, at every moment, past, present, and future meet. This is also from Rav Hirsch. Okay, because in this moment, which is the present, there were a few of those just <coughs> when I said that, but whichever one you pick, right, which is the present, my past comes up until the present, and my future is every step after this. So my present is what brings together past, present, and future in this one moment. Okay. Now, why does that matter, and why does that matter in terms of the creation of man is the beginning of time. It's because this is the key, this is a key secret to the creation of man, is that we experience the world in the sense of time. Why does that matter? Because if we don't experience the world in terms of time, if every moment is just an independent moment, then it doesn't have any significance. It doesn't matter what happened before, and it doesn't matter what's going to happen next, because it's only this moment. So everything is chaotic, it's unconnected, it's not going anywhere, it feels futureless, it feels hopeless, it doesn't feel significant, what we choose doesn't matter. But if there is a past that leads to this moment and a future that steps out of this moment, then I have a context. I have somewhere I've come from and I have somewhere I'm going. And that helps me see the significance in my choices now. 
So there's how I live, which is in a past, a present, and a future, which gives me a meaning in life, and it gives me the sense that there is mission and purpose. Mission in how I was created, purpose in where I'm going with it. And there's also, let's say, the divine perspective, so to speak, which is an interweaving of past, present, and future. God is above time. God is not living in a sense of past, present, and future. He's outside of time. He created time. So Hashem interweaves past, present, and future, which we see in his name of Havaya, of Yud, He, Vav, and He, right? Which is made up of a combination of the words Haya, he was, Hove, he is, Yihyeh, he always will be. That's not that they combine together to form Hashem's name. God's name splits in this world into because we do not experience him as infinite. But the name yud Hey vav and Hey is a reference to his infinite nature. So that was not the right, that was an incorrect way to say it, but I'll leave it as it is, okay? That he is eternal. He was, he is, he always will be. It's a combination and interweaving. And with the shofar then, what we need to do is to take that breath, that inhale and that exhale, and to tie it to the time, to our sense of mission and purpose. Where are we coming from and where are we going? And that, the shofar is meant to do that for us. So I have here a table. We'll see. I'm not sure how much of the table we'll cover, but I think you could probably also work out for yourselves the in-between steps. There may not be so many on this side. You might need to take that. The shofar is going to help us weave together that past, that present, and that future. Because this, the shofar takes us essentially a step out of time. The moment of shofar is a moment of the present that, that almost makes you feel that you're no longer standing in the moment. You're, you're above time with this breath. You take this breath, you put it out, and this is your humanity. It's taking in what Hashem gives you and putting it out to declare Him as King. <coughs> so in the creation of man, we have also the creation of time, or at least the counting of time, that allows us to serve Hashem. The time goes together with our breath. Why? And here is where it all starts to pull together into these three different phases. Okay, so I'm going to start with the time column. And, um, okay, let's start with the time. We'll start on the right side. So time. Hove, that's the present. Haya, the past. Yihia, the future. Was, is, will be. Now if we look at the call of the shofar. The first sound of the shofar. I did not make a chart for this. Are you familiar with it? I didn't bring the Rafarsh either. Are you familiar with the structure? Have you noticed it like inside of the of the machzer in the past? All, right? That, that the way the shofar is blown is, is in the sets of three and then in three sets of three and three sets of three sets of three. Okay, so the fundamental unit there is tkia, trua, tkia. All right, so that's, that's what you have here, tzkia and then trua and then tzkia. A tzkia is a single unbroken note. A trua is a broken note. And a tzkia is, again, a single note, a long note. And then there are, there's differences of opinion within the Gemara whether a trua should be a sobbing noise or a weeping noise. 
So one of them comes out as what we now call a shvarim. It's technically a trua. It's a de- what kind of trua is it? It's a shvarim. That's three medium notes within the space of the long note. You look at me like I'm not making any sense. Okay. No, the trua, the trua, there, I'm sorry I didn't include that on this chart. The trua, there are three different possibilities for trua. One is that it is what we now call shvarim, broken. Okay, so that's toot, toot, toot. It's all one breath broken into three parts. Alternatively, it's what we call now a trua. These are all definite subsets of trua, which is nine notes within the space of one note. That sounds familiar, right? Okay. Or the third possibility is we combine the shvarim and the trua. And then it's Yeah, okay. But those are all flavors of trua, the broken note, followed by a long tequila note again. So it's a sandwich. You have a tequila, and then you have some type of trua, and then you have a tequila. All right. Those correspond, if we jump over to the column labeled Structure of Rosh Hashanah Mosef Tefillah, Malchuyos, that's the coronations, declaring God as, God as king, Zichronos, the memories, and the shofaros, those correspond to Hove, Haya, and Yihye, is, was, and will be. Malchuyos, God is, he is king. God is king. That is reflected, if you look at... Sort of, I summarize it in transformation of existence into life. This is what Rev Hirsch calls it. He actually calls it into Jewish life. I mean, taking just the fact that I exist and making it mean something more. It means a Jewish life lived. How does that happen? In the present tense, it happens in living in service of God and making choices right now. In this moment, in this now, that the actions and the choices I take are a reflection of my recognition that God is my king. And because he told me to do this, I'm doing it. Because I want his will to be fulfilled, I'm choosing this. In the present moment, whichever present moment that is you are in, that is when we coronate God. Because our choices, hi, our choices are driven by the degree to which we are being cognizant that Hashem is our king. That's Malchuyos, it's in the present. Zichronos is the memory, it's what's past. How is Hashem our king? By looking to what's past. It's when I look back at what I have done and I say, oh my gosh, what have I done? If I am cognizant that Hashem is my king and I look at what I have done, then I'm broken. I feel broken. I feel heartbroken. I feel shattered. Okay, which is why the call of the tekia can focus us on. I'm focused on doing what Hashem wants, but the call of the trua brings me into my past, to that state of feeling broken, like the sound of the shofar being broken, because the sound of the shofar is the sound of our voice, right? So that's being broken because I look past and I see what I've done and I see what I've done wrong, <coughs> and I see it in light of. It, it wouldn't matter if God weren't my king, right? It only matters what I've done wrong because I'm suddenly aware Hashem is my king. What have I done? And then there's another long call, unbroken of the Trua, and it picks us back up, and it unifies us, and it pulls together all the broken pieces of our heart and of our <coughs> messed up past, 
and says it can all be made whole again. And that is a hope to the future. How do I recognize that God is my king to the future? It's that I can entrust my future to him. I can say, you know what? I have so messed up. And yet, if I try and stay focused on you, you will help me pull it back together again. You want me back. You want it together. I'm still alive. This is how I look to the future. With cognizance that God is my king. So it's a process. The process of shofar is the present tense to the past tense to the future tense. And the sounds themselves carry us there. The unbroken tekiah followed by the broken truah followed by the unbroken tekiah again naturally takes us to those states of mind to call us to attention, to the moment, Hashem is my king. To call me to the past, to the broken feeling that I have of where I haven't gotten it right, and then to elevate me again and pull me back together. That's the process in the shofar. It's the process of taking all the phases, present, past, and future. Um, maybe now, okay. But Malchuyos, so the Avoda of Malchuyos, which I put in the second one under the call of the shofar. The Avoda of Malchuyos is pause in the moment and introspect. Pause, stop, st step out of your moment in time. Hang on to a present moment long enough to think and to focus. Yeah, thank you. The avoda of the zichronos is to remember that God is judging our deeds. He sees everything. He says he is the witness and the judge of all that has passed. And that, yeah, trembling is like maybe only the beginning of that feeling, right? I don't know. And finally, a call to life before Hashem, which fills us with strength and courage and lifts us out of the disintegration of things past. And then, these are not Rav Hirsch's words, but I added them sort of in italics at the end of the transformation of existence into life. I just brought it into small, like the present tense, why am I here? Why am I alive? Like, why am I here? What have I done wrong? And how am I going to make it better? That's present, past, future. That's a chuva process. That's essentially a chuva process. All right. Now, we, we could ask, why is it in this order? <laughs> you would think it would be past, present, future. I don't know if that struck you. But you would think, like, if you want to sort of do things in an organized way, you would go in order, like past, present, future. And in fact, we say, like, hu haya, hu hove, hu yihia. We sort of do tend to use past, present, and future. How come here it's present and then past and then future? So there are a few reasons for that. On a sort of emotional level, it's because in order to grapple with teshuva, we have to start with the present. We don't always remember to do that. OK, so sometimes we start with the past. Oh, I've done such terrible things. I'm so awful. And then you get stuck. So it's more healthy and more productive if you say, well, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing now? Not, not bogged down in the past first, but with a sense of purpose in the now. And then you have the strength. You say, well, I have a purpose. There's a reason I'm here. There's a value to my existence and being here. 
that gives you a foundation upon which you can then look backward and say, okay, so how have I not been getting this right? But you can hold up under that because you're starting with the premise that there's a value to being here. And then you can turn to the future. You don't stop in the past. You look to the future. You say, how's it going to be different? What am I going to do differently? And that is how a process of tshuva should happen, which makes it very interesting that Chazal teach us in saying that the Jewish people will be redeemed. The Jewish people will be redeemed through tshuva. That when the final redemption comes, it will be because we did tshuva. And what's the indication of that? The word, well, it's actually, the, the geula is described as be'ito achishana. It was actually the end of the haftarah a week or two ago. Be'ito achishana. God says, in, in its time, in, in the redemption's right time, I will hasten it. Which is the source of many interesting discussions. What is in its time? What is hasten? Okay. But be'ito, the word ita in her time is the same word as ato, now. Yeah, ato now, not ato you with an olive, ato with an ayin. Mm-hmm. Now, I um, actually put the subquote here as the second bold headline. Ain ato ela tshuva. The Gemara gives us a principle. Whenever you see the word ato in the Torah, and now, happens not so infrequently, and now, that means tshuva time. It's a moment of tshuva. Now, that's an interesting statement. I'd seen that before. The Orachayim often uses this to help understand Pesukim in the Torah. And he'll, he'll quote Chazal, Okay. But why would Ata indicate Shuva? You can only understand that if you understand if everything's perfect. That's the divine. So you say past, present, future, a blend of all three, above all three. With us, we mess up. It's out of order. And for us to fix it, we start with the <coughs> present. We start in the moment. We start with how we feel in this moment, and then we build from that. We take the strength to look backward, and from there we take the commitment to go forward. So whenever you have a tshuva process, it will always put, it will, so to speak, misplace, and it will move the present tense from the middle up to the beginning. The present is the beginning of tshuva. I guess you could say the present is always the beginning of the future. When you take, can you repeat what you said again? Yeah, whenever you see a process that is meant to be teshuva, mm-hmm. to help you fix up and go back to what you should be, it will always start with ato, with now, with the present tense. Okay? So first of all, this is interesting because it helps us understand this chazal. It also helps us understand the order of malchuyo, zichronos, and shofros, which are present, past, and future. It also helps us understand, I'm going to give you just a little... Um, a little present here, since I see we're not running too late yet, which is benching. So I put that in the last column. Don't know if we'll, didn't know if we we're gonna, we're gonna get to it. The Abu Darham brings a most interesting thing about benching. I was really astonished, and this is, you know, I always said someday I'm gonna do a class just called "It's Time You Look Forward to Benching." Because you know, we all have like benchophobia. Like I'm not gonna eat this food. I'm not gonna eat bread because I'll have to bench. Okay, so we're not going to go there today. <laughs> but maybe I'll give you a little taste of something that you'll want to taste in your benching, so it'll be worth eating. Okay, so the Medrash teaches that in the days of Rechavam, who was one of the kings of Israel, he was the son of Shlomo, the Jewish people 
rejected or despised three aspects of the kingdom. One was Malchus Shamayim, God being our king. One was Malchus based David, the house of David being our king, because in the days of Rechavam there was a split and ten tribes split away under Yeravam. Ubebeis HaMikdash, and there was a rejection of the spiritual kingdom of God through the Beis HaMikdash. And the Medrash quotes the different psukim that indicate that there was a, a, a bucking, a sort of saying, I don't, I don't want you to be my king, David. I don't want you to be my king, Hashem. I don't want you to be my king, Beis HaMikdash. Okay, this is a terrifying thought, really. Okay. And then the Medrash goes on to say, and they will not be redeemed until they ask for all three, until they, until they beg for it. You got to want it. You said you don't want it? Guess what? We lost it. So now you got to want it again. Then you could be redeemed. And he brings Psukim to prove that. And because of this, Chazal built a structure of Birkas Hamazon. Hmm. What? <laughs> I never noticed. What's the structure of Birkas Hamazon? The structure of Birkas Hamazon is we beg for all three. We ask for Al Habayis Hagadol Hakadosh, the holy great house of God. We ask for Malchus Beis David Mishichecha, please bring back the kingdom of David, the king. Those are both in Boni Yerushalayim. And we ask for, and we beg for Malchus Shemayim. In the fourth blessing, right? Who hetiv, who metiv, who yetiv lanu, who gmalanu. You, you do everything for us. We want you to be our king. You provide for us. You're our leader. You're our shepherd. You're our king. Okay. Now. Now you could really guess. Since it's a tshuva, and since it's a Kabbalah's malchus in benching, what's the order going to be? Present then past, then future. And in fact, that's the way Berkas Amazon is. So if you look at Berkas Amazon, you'll see, I didn't go through all of it, but I did mention here. So the hove, the present tense, is Hazana Sakol. So the first bracha of benching really is looking, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. Is that, is that the whole 333? Three, three, like? It's the, it exactly corresponds to these, yeah. Um. Okay, so the first bracha of benching, benching has four brachos, followed by all the harachamans and extra bakashos, but the core of benching is four brachos. The first is, Hazanasa olam kulobetuvo. Hashem, you sustain the whole world. That's, in, that's the present. This is what's going on all the time in every moment. You sustain the world with chen, with chesed, and rachamim. You give every, every creature everything that it requires, and, and you never let us lack. And this is because of your great name. You provide for everyone, Hazanasa kol. The second bracha has two paragraphs, unless it's Hanukkah or Purim, and then it got three paragraphs, okay? It starts with, Nodelecha Hashem Elokeinu, we are grateful to you, and it ends at the end of Ve'al HaKo, which is Al Ha'aretz Ve'al HaMazon. That is past tense. We are grateful to you, gratitude, because we're remembering what you did for us. Shehin chalta lavoseinu eretz chemda tovo rochava. You gave, you bequeathed to our ancestors a wonderful land, and you took us out of the land of Egypt, and you freed us from the house of slavery, and you gave us your covenant, and you taught us, and you gave us your Torah, and you gave us your mitzvos, and you gave us life, and you also give us food. Okay, so this is looking backward. And in the third bracha of, of benching, which is rachemna, 
We're looking to the future. Please have pity on us. Please have pity on Yerushalayim. Bring your Rachamim. Uvenei Yerushalayim. Build Yerushalayim. Bimheravayamenu. Quickly in our days. That's looking to the future. The fourth bracha of benching, which I think we did talk about in Elokeinu Melachalam, so I won't repeat it all here, blends them all together, past, present, and future, which is the ultimate hamlacha of Hashem is when we recognize that. That's when it reaches its peak, is the complete recognition that all along God was, is, and always will be. Meaning even though we rejected in the past, the truth is he always was, he always is, he always will be. And therefore, we have who hetiv, who metiv, who yetiv lanu, right? Who gumalanu, who gomlenu, who yigmalenu laad. Okay, these are all e- of these patterns. That is the pattern of the fourth bracha, and it's actually kind of the truth is when I made this chart, I actually made it with four, not three, because it's a pattern of three. But in its culmination, eventually, in your third level, you can jump to the fourth. But we can't jump it. God can pull us into the fourth. And the fourth, see, I didn't give you this one, is redemption. The fourth is the real, is not just trusting in redemption, entrusting our future to God. It's actually reaching the future. So that is the tekiah gedola, the long tekiah at the end of the whole set. That's hatova hametiv, which is the fourth bracha in the benching. That's Hashem Melech, Hashem Molach, Hashem Yumloch Le'olam That's when we reach a state of Geula where it is clear that he always was, always is, and always will be to the whole world, right? Becomes, so this is, all right. Time to start summing up here. So that represents that when we reach that state of Geula, basically? Yeah, or? the fourth, and, and that, that requires God's gift. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not per se our avoda. That's... As the Messias Yesharim says, it starts as avoda and it ends with matana. It ends with a gift. That ends with the gift. That's, but we can trust in the gift. We live our lives knowing that that's the future. So we live our lives with that in mind. Okay. Einata ela tshuva. There's no now other than tshuva. Which, depending on how you think about it, is pretty amazing kind of musr. Like, there's no point like the present. There's no, the, the real moment of choice is now. Whatever now it is, it's right now. It's that moment of frustration and you tell yourself, right now I must have a choice because I know there's a choice. I don't, I'm losing it, but there's some choice here. What's the choice? I know I've got a choice. The choice of the moment is Hamlachas Hashem on us. It's in the moment of choice, in the moment of saying, I want to choose what is right. I want to choose what will make Hashem pleased with me. I want to choose what will make the breath he blew into me worthwhile in its coming back out. I want to, I want to make that pay off. Not for me, right? I want it to make sense for God, so to speak. Am I worth it? Am I worth blowing into? Am I worth recreating? Because this is the day I'm being created. Am I worth it? Well, I'm worth it if it's directed correctly. And then that applies to all the other pieces of what we're asking for. We're being judged for, yes, our very breath, and we're being judged for our health and our wealth and our safety and our happiness and the health, wealth, safety, and happiness of our children and our spouses and our parents and our siblings and everyone we know, our community. 
all of this is being judged. If we're going to receive it, how do we receive it? I mean, what do we tell? I, I want to receive it, so why? What's the point? Well, in the same way, I can breathe in and breathe out and try and make that breath count and be in Avodas Hashem and in Ha'amlachas Hashem in the moment. So those things also, I want to receive them, but I don't want to receive them just because they feel good. I want to receive them as part of serving you. I think a little bit is what you were talking about when you came in, right? Like, we want to receive from Hashem, and we do ask Him from all of this, but we, we're asking for it in order to be able to be mamlechim. And that's with an understanding. If He doesn't think that's what's right for us, we're still going to be mamlechim. We're going to take what He gives us to be mamlechim. So He wants to give to us. He wants to give to us. So our goal is to turn our life and our breathing into that which serves him. And through hearing the shofar and through saying the malchios, zichronos, and shofros, psukim that are in the Shemona Esrei, all of that is to bring us to this pattern of thinking in the present. Why am I here? There is a purpose, right? There's a purpose. How, what have I done up until now? Oh, that makes me feel broken. I am broken. So where am I going to go? And that trust in Hashem that there is a future and that there is somewhere to go and the commitment from us to make that something better, that's something to build a Rosh Hashanah around. That's what build a Rosh Hashanah around. That is really the avoda of Malchus, Sechronos, and Shofros. So I hope you'll find it helpful. I have. During the hearing of the Shofar, you're supposed to focus on your presence and then look into the back of what you did. According to Rafosh, yeah. But the main thing is listen to the shofar. <laughs> the main thing is listen to the shofar. You don't want to get so lost in your thoughts that you don't hear the shofar. It's hard to avoid hearing the shofar usually. It, it usually gets right, through. Right, right. But so I guess the question is, uh, you know, I, I have a wandering eye, so I get distracted by just visual. So it's easier if I close my eyes, but at the same time, I want, I want to have my attention on something. So do I right. just say, do I keep on telling myself I'm here to hear the like the yeah. main thing is to hear the shofar, yes. or is it to say the main thing is to hear the shofar so I know I'm in the present and I'm... Um, the main thing is to hear the shofar because that is the mitzvah, to hear the shofar. It's worth, take, take the time, sit, sit with this before and give yourself, create one thought that will work for you out of it. Uh -huh. Like you said, so you have one thing that you want to think about. The shofar will tend to automatically take you to three places because of the way it's blown uh -huh. with a set of three. Okay. It, you tend to not be on one idea. It automatically, the, the, the single blast pulls you together and it gets your attention. And the broken blast does tend to fragment your mind. Uh, that's what it's meant to do. Yeah. That's what Rafersh is saying it's meant to do. But, but plan ahead. Plan ahead for Rosh Hashanah. That's a good thing. And get, find for yourself, what is the one thought that you want to think about? Because you don't want to be trying to think, oh my gosh, and now I forgot, what am I supposed to think about? And now I missed the show. The mitzvah yeah. of the shofar is to hear the shofar. The shofar's job is to take you to these places. But just like I could use, the machzor's job is to take me also to these places. But if I didn't know where it was taking me, I might be looking out the wrong side of the window. You know, like you go on these sightseeing boats and you're looking out the left and they're showing you like the Empire State Building on the right. Mm. You know, and I'm looking out the left. So like I could be reading through my whole sitter and my whole, my whole machzor and Rosh Hashanah and I'm looking out the wrong window. So, but I did it. It's not, and it will still take me there. The boat still gets you to the dock. But it's so much nicer if you can see where you are going. The chauffeur will take you there. It does take you there. But if you know where you're going with it, 
you can you can make much more of the trip. Right. Yeah. Okay. Ksiva v'chasima tova. Be blessed. All of Christ.